Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-B, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, baseball, right to your favorite games, don't wait to take advantage of this amazing offer. That's betonline.ag. Yo, what's up and welcome to the Hashtag Lakers podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Yo Legazo. I'm joined by D, and we have a special guest on the show. I'm really excited for him to be here today. We'd like to welcome the one and only Lakers reporter, Mike Trudell, on the pod today. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. Happy to be here with you. What's happening? Hey, not much. Not much. It's a good sunny day. Thank you so much for making time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Ready to roll here. So you're in Sacramento right now. I assume you you get a hotel room courtesy of the Lakers or perhaps Spectrum Sportsnet. Can you tell me a little bit about like, you know, just just really quick, just your hotel life as you follow the team around the nation? You know, what 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 are some of the favorite spots that you like to do or favorite things that you like to do during these away games that you're you're out to here? Obviously, I think you're you were gone you know, you couldn't really do anything during the 2020 season because of the pandemic, but um, first time around, right? That you get to go and travel around with the team? Well, so yeah, so I've been traveling with the team since 2008, uh, other than last year, other than the, the pandemic, which was certainly a unique year uh, for many things, but I, I am very careful not to complain at all um, about the NBA life uh, during the pandemic. I mean, of course, the people are uh, 5 million people worldwide, right, have, have succumbed uh, to the disease. And so like, I, I always try to put, put that into proper context. And all that meant for me was that I had to be in the green room at Spectrum doing the games that way, as opposed to being on the road. But of course, just for the purposes of the job, it's always better to be around the team. And that's that's one of the original reasons why when I came to the Lakers in 08, that was sort of part of the understanding was that, you know, we that at that time, I was still just doing Lakers.com. Uh, this was before Time Warner Cable Sportsnet, which is now Spectrum started. And I added that onto the side. So I was just there as kind of the beat reporter and the hotel life has evolved for me. Uh, it's very simple now, guys. So I've got three kids. So when I'm on the road, it's I'm working and I'm working out. You know, I'm not doing that much. I may go out to grab a, a bite to eat quickly. Um, although now with the pandemic, I'm still mostly picking it up and bringing it back to the room. But that's really all I do. Um, I try to catch up a little bit on sleep and uh, get my workouts in and do as much work as I can. And then when I'm home, I have more, I have, I, I try to work ahead a little bit so that when I'm home, I can spend more time with the kids and, and really be, you know, more useful there uh, to my wife and just in general. So it's uh, no, no great stories for me now, uh, uh, Yoa and D. It's, it's mostly just chilling uh, and getting stuff done on the road. Yeah, that's, that's good. Especially because I like the way that, the, that you put the perspective of just like the pandemic overall. Um, it does humble a lot of people. And I feel like a lot of people are very selfish in that, in that not just in that sense to where they don't want to look at things like overall and like the overall aspect. But I like I like how you explain that, especially I didn't know you were such a big family man. I love that. 
That's it. Yeah, that's definitely the main focus for sure um, of the life. And I, I, I always tried to like the reason that I have this job, you know, I always love sports. I always wanted to do it. But I think that sports is a great metaphor for life without all of the risks and without all of the actual uh, the actual stakes, I suppose, that if you were if I were as a journalist, right, if I were covering a war zone or the disease itself or politics or whatever it might be um, in sports, you can make mistakes and the result is a lost game. Now, I do understand, especially for Laker fans, that these th this is high stakes. <laughs> like they, with not winning, right, is not acceptable. And but it's still it's still all wrapped up in the sports context. So um, I always try to remember that. And you know, my job is fun. I'm lucky to do it, and and I enjoy doing it. So I don't. I try not to take it um, to the same degree as that I would talking about the pandemic. Definitely, as a fan base, we enjoy that you do it. I must say, I love you. <laughs> Oh, it's very kind. That's it's very kind. I, I just try to be the best conduit that I can, uh, you know, between the players and the team and the access that I get um, and the fans. And and I always appreciate how much fans care about it. So I try to I try to care. And this is now going to sound contradictory, but I do care about doing the job as best I can. Um, I just I just also try to put it into context. Yeah, I mean, and and you could tell you could tell from what you know from all the interviews back in '08. I mean, you were there with Kobe during the ch that championship here. You could tell from all of that that you know you 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 love this team. You know, you love the Lakers and you do it with passion. And we really appreciate it as fans that you uh, you go out and do that. Even, you know, even though like the, the main goal for you really is like like for me, I have three kids of my own as well. And the main goal, like the, the, the main purpose now is is to make sure that they're good. You know, to, to to make sure that they have they're they're fed and and everything is is okay at home first. So I, I really like that about that about you. Um, so so we have a couple of quick hitters here before we we actually get into the main the main topic um, of our of our show today, which is really to to give our final thoughts before the season starts uh, this uh, this next week. Uh, but uh, you, you know what. You know, one of the questions that we had was, and I don't know if you can answer this outright, um, but uh, what, who's who would be your favorite player at the moment? Do you mean on the on the current team or just of all time? On the current team, yeah, on the current team. Uh, yeah, no, you're you're right with your skepticism uh, in your question. I don't know if I could if I could say one specifically, right? Because and this is where the fine line is with my job. So even though I work for the team, I still try to I still try to keep in mind the reporter in my title. So I'm going to say what I think, right. But I'm, but I'm, it's not my job at this point. Like I can tell you some of the guys that I love covering in the past. Right. Uh, and, and we can go down that road for sure. But in terms of like favorite to watch favorite to cover, um, I can, we can go there a little bit, but I wouldn't just single out um, one guy I will. And now I'll, I'll be a hypocrite and I'll give you a couple examples though. So Wayne Ellington and Kent Bazemore, I, I go back with, right. Cause they were on the team uh, and Ariza too, Ariza too, um, to 08, the 0809 season before he left. And of course, Ron Artest comes in, but a uh, Bazemore I bonded with over French Bulldogs. So I have a French Bulldog and Kent, when he was playing with the Lakers had two. And, uh, and so we, we were just, I was just catching up with him about that um, as, as our Bulldogs get quite old now. And then uh, Ellington, I was, was always really good to be around. So it's, it's, I think that's the shift too, though. Like now I'm, I'm almost 40. When I started the job, I was 27 so I was right around the same age as all these guys. And so there was a lot. And, and also there was just a lot more time in the locker room kind of before the game. Right now, we're not even going in the locker room. So most of the time when I talk to these guys this year, it's been on camera. 
And that's always going to be a little bit different from when I was not doing the TV stuff. And it's just, you know, kind of sitting around waiting for something to happen in the locker room and making chit chat about this and that. So um, I, I, I'm kind of that phase, right, was certainly really strong earlier in my career. And now I'm just really kind of focused on what these guys are like on the basketball court. And and that's, you know, and kind of communicating for the most part that way. And that, that's not to say that there isn't some relationship stuff that helps, but that's that's the, the focus has definitely changed some for me. Okay, so with those three players, for the fact that you saw, you saw them before beforehand when they were younger Lakers and now they're vets back on the team, how do you how would you say you like like is there a way that you compare and contrast the way that you saw them before as to now and like is it do you like it more or do you like the fact that you're able to see players come back and forth onto the Lakers to cover them again? Yeah, so I think that it's just about part of the job in any kind of journalism is about finding some connection point, whether that's not necessarily on a personal level, but just when you're trying to understand somebody's story. And so I already understand to an extent, right? I already understand kind of what their stories are. Whereas I have to do a lot more of that work now um, for some of the other players, like a Kendrick Nunn, for example, like I've got to put that time in now to, to find those connection points and to understand what he's about on the court and off the court. So it just, it just makes for a, a quick transition and if I'm going to do a report or if I'm going to write a story, um, I have some of that background now on what Ellington is like and what Ariza is like. And, and that just it makes it a little bit easier. But I would say that even if you knew nothing and you knew nobody from the team that you're covering, that's the job is, is to immediately try and find some connection points, do more research, whatever it may be. And I just might have to do a little bit less on the guys that I already know. It's kind of like your your high school friends or your college friends compared to a new friend that you meet, right? You've you've got you've got those connection points and you just kind of bounce right back into it. But the new ones, if you're going to be good friends, then you better do that work too. It's just gonna it's just gonna come in a different way. That that actually that's actually a good good segue to the the you know the the main topic for for this part of the 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 the, the podcast is is really how you know, what your thoughts on, on how this team is coming together? Because we have a lot of guys that know each other from a long time ago, even from the Olympics, and then, you know, playing for Team Team USA and and in, you know, the, the All-Star Games and, and so forth. And then we have all these new guys. But, you, you know, we're, we're recording this just before the last preseason game match against the Kings. Um, this is really our last chance to get that win. So hopefully we will we'll do that. Uh, I think we're zero and five so far. But aside from that, I did. I want to talk about how you know, like like I said, how this team is coming together at this point as we prepare for the regular season. Um, game one starts next week, like I said before, and all preseason long, we've heard from players, particularly uh, LeBron James, on how preseason preseason really doesn't matter in the long run. They they care. They really don't care about it. But like this. This whole there's this whole new team dynamic, right? A lot of moving pieces. You have players trying to figure out their own roles in the team. You have a new offensive system. Um, players are trying to learn Vogel's defensive schemes. Uh, there's a whole discussion about spacing and, and and trying to figure that out with LeBron and 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 and, and Russell Westbrook and, and Mike. Um, you asked LeBron after the, the Warriors game on Tuesday to give us his thoughts on how the team will, will try to, you know, try to rack up wins while they're still trying to come together. And he basically said, you know, stay patient because it's going to take a while. So I want to talk about 
that um, and, and all that coming together on the court, off the court. What do you think about what 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 he said uh, that uh, on Tuesday? Well, th- I think the lucky thing about covering LeBron is that he's seen it all before. He does know basically everything about basketball at this point. So you're not going to say something that's going to stump him. So when I'm when I'm asking LeBron, it's not so much of it's more like, all right, I, I think I have an idea of where you're going to go with this. But when you say it, it's that kind of kind of filter down to the rest of the team. And so I've known right for years that LeBron isn't worried, isn't going to be worried about preseason results. It's more about the process. And it's not he's not just saying that to give it lip service. I think that he wants to see a certain level of cohesion start to develop. But once the regular season starts, that's where the benefit of having, well, there's always a benefit of having LeBron, but that's where one of the benefits of having LeBron comes because his talent and his ability to problem solve and see everything on the court is going to overcome a lot of those problems that you're seeing in the preseason. One, just by the fact that he's going to be on the court for 35 minutes as opposed to 18, um, like in the Warriors game. And so that's that's ultimately you saw a couple of times LeBron early in the first half he decided you know what I'm gonna get to the, I'm gonna get to the rim here and he did it easily and he finished and it was like okay is he gonna keep doing that for the whole game so they can beat the Warriors in the preseason no but that that's there like all right good, that's established then maybe he'll he's gonna work on a rhythm three a little bit um, then he's gonna want to see what AD is doing but it's really more about Westbrook and the hard part of this preseason has been that they haven't had one game where they've had the full rotation. And yes, they had LeBron and they had AD and they had Westbrook play in the fifth preseason game, but half of the bench didn't play because of minor injuries. So to me, that's the the challenge, guys, of early this season is A, now health, which means they won't have the rotation they want completely, and B, the lack of experience of some of the key players playing together. And of course, that mostly means Russ, but the talent that, that is there and just LeBron and AD by themselves playing big minutes that should paper over a lot of what those concerns are early in the season. And and that's kind of why it's important to have stars in this league. Definitely. Definitely. And that actually, that, that actually brings up a good point, especially when it comes to like the chemistry and the recent injuries, um, when it comes to all of the key players that were off the bench. Um, so with, the, with, to the respect of the injuries, right. Do you think that's going to have a severe impact going into the season and then carrying out to where we're going to place come the playoffs? Or do you think it's going to be something like just more so like a little bump in the road to where it's just, we're just going to shake off the kinks and then we're just going to get back right to it, to, to winning. Yeah. So this is a bit of a yes and no question uh, as uh, my, one of my partner over in the LFR podcast, Jerry Soriano was always saying like on the, on the one hand, on the one hand, when you've got, injuries to to some players that were going to be you thought key kind of defensive pieces and this would be more THT and Ariza where they've got size on the wing well that's what the Lakers lost last year and the year before and guys like Danny Green and KCP and Caruso and even Kuzma who were key in those spots and it's important to have that type of a role player around LeBron and AD and you have less of that now so that's so that is an issue however knocking on wood the thing that teams can't afford as we saw last year, is to have a star out. So if AD or LeBron are out, you can, you know, you might be able to win a regular season game or two, but you're not winning a playoff series. That's that goes for any playoff team. If any playoff team loses one of their their first their best player or even their second best player, as we saw in the case of Brooklyn, that is basically a fatal blow unless the other team is injured as well. And 
So the Lakers have enough guys that can play, that can approximate what those roles are until guys get back. That that's where it kind of links into what I had previously said about LeBron James, where in, in AD to an extent too. Like if those guys are on the court, then they'll be able to figure it out enough. Um, is could they win the title by having a bunch of key rotation pieces out? I don't know. That that's one of those things where it depends on what the other team has in or out. But it's still mostly about LeBron and AD, and then Russ coming along to fill that out. And and they can they should be able to tread water um, as long as these injuries stay minor. And in the fact of Ariza and THT, the fact that ideally you know both of them are back. Uh, sometime in in the next couple of months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that having players like THT, Monk, and Ariza out for some some time, I think it is going to be a little bit of a dent on 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 sort of in the on court chemistry because you do need those reps. You do need those reps to sort of uh, prepare you for for the postseason. You know, the, the the preseason. I like to think about it is like the dress rehearsal. But but the 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 regular season is is. If you're winning, if you are a title contender, it's 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 another dr- longer dress rehearsal for the real thing for the the postseason where um, everything needs to be connecting on on the court and off the court uh, for these teams to win. Big the big one of the big things that uh, really struck out to me for, on our 2020 championship was about chemistry, uh, both on the court and off the court. And so I that's one of the things that I'm curious to see is is um, you know, can can the can the Lakers remain, uh, unlike last year, remain um, relatively healthy, where you can still build that cohesion, like you said, on the court and and build that chemistry on the court. Um, I think when LeBron had said that, I mean, this is my own personal thought of what he said, but I think he feels there's a little bit of clunkiness going on, right? Um, and he's testing it out, obviously. And, and and that's why he said, you know, we have to be patient. It's going to be a process um, because it, it could take a, lo- a, a while. Um, but I don't doubt that, you know, you have, you have LeBron James. I think that he's one of the, if not the greatest problem solver the game has ever seen. Um, everywhere he's played, he's figured it out somehow. He's gotten to the biggest stage of the finals and has won it. Uh, you know, he's gotten in, in Miami and Cleveland and, and now here. And so uh, then you add guys with high IQ like Westbrook, AD, uh, especially on the defensive end uh, for AD, Rondo, Vogel, and, and the coaching staff. Um, you know, or, or uh, you know, having those guys makes you know, or at least you have some some bit of hope that uh, that it's all going to work out. And and for fans, I think um, uh, it it could be a little bit hard to 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 remain patient or stay patient, right? If if your team continues to lose and they're still trying to figure out, especially earlier on in the season. Uh, but the good thing is that um, you know we do have a a um, uh, a less challenging schedule. Uh, the, 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 you know, as we start the regular season. Yeah, I think that was one of the first things that I wrote in my schedule article piece is that if you look at the schedule, right, the first 15 games, you've got only three teams that were playoff teams last year, although we should probably include the Warriors, right, because they they should have been, you know, so that's four, but you have, you have got a lot of games against OKC and Houston and San Antonio. And I think that it's better to get teams like that early in the season as opposed to late, because late veteran teams – you never know. Veteran teams may be resting guys, although I'm not. A, that's a whole other tangent. I'm not a big fan of the just rest to rest uh, as opposed to more kind of strategic rest. But 
if you catch a team like Houston in April and they're all of a sudden they're feeling good, it's the young guys, they've still got other energy, they're flying around, they've gotten used to each other a little bit, it's going to be more difficult to beat them than it is when they're just figuring out what they're doing, who's playing together. Young guys don't know how to play defense yet. So I think that's an advantage to get teams like that early in the season. And it does make up for some of the lack of cohesion that the Lakers have on the roster, for sure. Um. So with that being said, how long do you think, or like, do you have like an estimated time frame of when the Lakers will manage to get all of the pieces correctly as far as us limiting the turnovers down to where everything is just flowing accordingly. Everyone's rotating when they're supposed to on defense, when we're running the place correctly. Do like, do you feel like after covering the covering the team for so long, do you feel like you have in your mind, like an estimated timeframe of when we can see that transition happen um, within, within the season? Because personally, I think it's going to take about between 15 to 20, 25 games pushing it. But I don't oh, know. wow. You've got you've already got the window. You've already got the time window figured out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'll uh, I'll share that with Frank Vogel. I was I was working out earlier today and, and uh, Vogel came in to get some of his uh, to get a workout in on his own. I could have just dropped it to him then if we had done this podcast earlier. That would have been probably helpful for him. I mean, my, my I will answer this kind of like the players and the coach does just because I think that it's true. Like, I don't think you can put a game number on it. Uh, and that's being a little bit unfair to those of us that just like to speculate. And I know that's what fans are going to do, but I, I do. So, so let me try then to uh, that's, but that is the, that, that is the real answer. Okay. The real answer is that it's not there. There can't be some time set for it, but I I'll compare it to the 1920 championship season and say that I think it'll take longer than that did. So that year they definitely had a bunch of new rotation players for sure. Cause they, you had the big trade for Anthony Davis. So right, half the team goes out. Uh, you bring in Danny Green, Dwight Howard comes back, right? Uh, and AD has to figure out how to play with LeBron. But they had such an obvious identity, and it was LeBron and AD coming out, playing hard defensively. And the offense, LeBron, remember, was playing point guard at that part. So LeBron LeBron had the ball. You had KCP on one wing, Danny Green on one wing. They were going to shoot. That was their. That was what they were out there for. AD was going to was going to do all of the different things that AD can do and the center was going to set screens and roll to the rim like it was a pretty obvious style then they did the same thing off the bench Dwight would come in one of the stars would stay Caruso would come in and defend you know that that was a, a clear identity for that team and this year I think that you it's no longer the two stars and everybody else three and D it's kind of the two stars and then Russell Westbrook, who is who is a dynamic force and entity into his own right. And then it's um, it's some other guy like Carmelo Anthony, who comes in and kind of plays his own way. You know, Carmelo comes in and he he like I thought he played basically the same way in Portland last year that he has his whole career. He just did it off the bench. And so he's doing it against second units. But it wasn't like he just was suddenly a role player who was playing defense only and only shooting perimeter jumpers. So those are the kinds of things that do take time. Because Russ and Mello specifically have all of these habits built up over years of playing. And can they shift them like Dwight Howard did when he came back to the Lakers? Or like Blake Griffin did in the playoffs for the Nets last year? They could, but that takes some time. And we haven't, you know, we haven't necessarily seen that in this early preseason action. That's to me what takes longer. Um, so much as just the the like because if you if you put LeBron in the court and say, hey, you guys go play defense, you shoot. You know, that that can be come together pretty quickly. That could come together in a pickup game. But 
if you have players that are used to playing a certain way that have to adjust, it's going to take a little more time. Yeah. And I think you guys had a conversation over there at the LFR pod on, on this, on this specific topic and how, you know, just, just the older players, especially the stars, right? I think it was you that brought this up. Uh, the stars are going to, it's going to take a little bit longer for them to kind of adjust into being a role player um, and, and, and kind of focus on the little things instead of the scoring. Right. And, and, you know, for us, it's all about that score screening for LeBron James or if, if for Carmelo Anthony, maybe paying more attention on the defensive end. So I think, you know, I think you're right that it's, it's going to take some time and I don't know really if we can put, put a, a, a game or, you know, a game expectation on when everything's going to click and everything's clicking on a hundred, a hundred percent in cylinders. Well, I think they'd, I think they'd like to get to the point by the all-star break is always a nice clean, Hey, okay, coming out of the all-star break, let's, you know, really hit a stride. But that's a that's a good goal. You know, but they also the all-star break though, people is also not halfway through the season. In a typical year, it's more like almost three quarters of the way through a season. So I do think that they'll want to find a nice rhythm before then. But if they're not, if they haven't figured it out by then, that's when you have to start thinking about and I guess the executives have to start thinking about the trade deadline to some extent. And all right, well, if this this mix just isn't working great. And that's maybe part of the reason why they have the 15th roster spot open so that they could either make an acquisition or make a move because let's not, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. This is, it's about winning the title this year. It's not about just playing well and get it. Like that's what they are trying to win banner number 18 this year. Like LeBron is in year 19, you know? So that, that to me is, is where the focus is. And if, if things aren't going great by then um, there are some things that they could do probably to a, a move that they can they, uh, they can make to refocus that part. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I think, I think, uh, um, I think we're desperate. I think we want to win this, this championship. I mean, this is a really, you know, LeBron James is getting into, uh, you know, father time is going to kick in at some point and, and we're going to need uh, to, uh, uh, maximize all the, the, the potential that we have with him still playing with the Lakers. So I, I hope, that is the goal for this for this season. But uh, Mike, D, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break here. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this team, uh, specifically the starting lineup and, and, and sort of uh, what, we, what we see there going forward. Um, so stay tuned, guys, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Welcome back to the hashtag Lakers podcast. I'm here with Mike Trudell and D. Uh, so Mike, um, you asked AD on Tuesday what he thought about having Russ and LeBron with him on the court. He said that there are, you know, endless op- op- possibilities on the types of actions we can see uh, with those three on the court and especially with the types of shooters we have on the team. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's been said multiple times um, that, you know, we might see 80 at the five, right? But we could also see that two big lineup come come as an option for the team. Um, but at some point, the Lakers uh, will have to decide, you know, the a consistent starting lineup that will that they'll go with night in, night out with the rotations that they'll have and so forth. So, Mike, what you know, what have you heard from the team or otherwise on the Lakers' plans for the starting lineup? And then personally, like, what do you think would be that ideal lineup? Uh, would it, 
would you let it be determined by the opponent each night or um, what, what do you think? Yeah, here's going to be another place where I sort of contradict myself because I do think that it's important to have a regular rotation, but I also think that it's been less important for a team that has LeBron plus AD, as we saw with Frank Vogel switching lineups around all throughout the bubble run. And on a given night, AD might start at the five. On another, Dwight Howard might start at the five against Jokic. On another, JaVale McGee might start and just eat some innings. And the wings might switch here or there. Caruso came in for game six of the final. So you can, as long as you've got your base, you can switch to an extent um, around what the matchups are. And you can play that game if you want to. So what's important in the current modern NBA is to have all of the options available to you. And they do. So the optimal lineup for closing games is, of course, AD at the five. Not every matchup, I think, is is completely optimal to start him at the five, but it does seem like that's going to at least be the base. So if he starts at the five, you've got LeBron either at the three or four, and this is where it depends on who's available on the wing. You've got Russ there um, at guard. I think the one guy that you have to plug in is Bazemore. I think he's in. I, I think I've, I've tried to be consistent on that. That was my first thought from the offseason because he's the best defender um, out of the group of guys available, and he can hit enough threes to make sure that you have to guard him. And so Bazemore is plugged in. And so there's four guys. And now from that point, do you want to veer more towards shooting? Then you start Wayne Ellington, who is, we'll, we'll see, right? At this point, Frank Vogel says it's still a possibility. Um, if not an expectation, he'll be ready for the opener. So since he's been nursing that hamstring, I would say he's he's unlikely, right, for that to be at least in the starting lineup. Maybe he comes in off the bench as he works minutes up. But again, that's all that's all just my own uh, my own personal take there we haven't heard anything from the team about the hamstring and, and when he might return for sure so then uh we mentioned lfr a couple times so pete was saying was talking was talking the other day about kendrick nunn and he would make sense i think in that group as well uh and and he i think they're hopeful that he's available by the opener so could malik monk who who replicates ellington shooting and can do an, an, some other stuff off the dribble uh, monk's also got a 40 plus inch vertical which i, I don't know if everybody realizes the question, though, for him is he's not as good of a defensive player um, as none is. And then so that's that's one side. You can just go a little bit smaller all around and just have that team fly up and down, have Russell Westbrook kind of veer up on the wing a little bit because he's strong enough to defend any two and three out there. Um, really, Russ, Russ uh, he looks strong, but he's even a little bit stronger, I think, than he looks sometimes because he's not he's not been on teams where he's had to, to size up there. And so those are, that's one way they go. The other, of course, is just the DeAndre at the five for limited minutes. Um, I always refer to this as like the Keith Bogans where you're playing five minutes each half. And, and then you, you're sizing down a little bit more appropriately based on what the other starting lineups are. But I, I'll just reiterate where I started this, guys. I don't think it matters that much. Um, I really don't because they just, you just have to have the options. And then we will see. Like in a month, we'll have data on which of these lineups look good together and why. And, and that, I think, can inform what Frank Vogel sees with the eye test and what everybody else sees, and they'll go from there. But as long as LeBron and AD are on the court uh, and with, uh, with Westbrook kind of learning as, as things go by, I'm not super concerned about the rotation. Uh, what about you guys? Um, personally, I, I, I'm on the same boat as you. I don't feel like there's going to be a set rotation just because every Everyone brings something different to the team, more more ways than one. And you know what I mean? So especially we have to go out and force more. We have to focus more on the defensive end. Then, yeah, we're not going to want to have, like, all of our shooters out there to 
because then it's not gonna it's not gonna work out you know what I mean um I do feel though we're gonna have some type of set starting five come probably within I don't know probably the first half of the season in my opinion um but closer to playoffs I think we're gonna see what Frank Vogel does a lot of I feel like it's like towards the end of the season it's going to be where we're going to have the base, like the base type of startup, uh, starting, starting lineup. However, because of where everyone's going to stack up, when it comes to the playoffs. I feel like based off where she's be playing in the playoffs and then Frank is going to do what he always does. And he's going to start switching up rotation, um, the rotation starting lineups until we get to the playoffs to where he sees like, okay, you know what, this, this does work. And this is how we're going to do it. Especially if we're going to be playing against X, Y, and Z teams. Yeah, for sure. And there's just the, the difference this year, I think, to maybe even a couple of years ago is that we have to assume that Westbrook is going to be in that group. And just depending on how he does evolve with what his game is, with how what is he doing on the defensive end of the court? You know, how many possessions is he taking with the basketball instead of LeBron? And there, you may need more either size on the perimeter alongside him on defense, or you might need more shooting um, at the five spot and basically have to go smaller more often um, if the shooting, if teams are just playing a certain way and it, and it is successful. But ultimately, the ability that they're going to have to run in transition is huge. And that's, I think that's a, if they can just get stops, um, they're going to be a absolute monster um, running up and down the court because LeBron and Russ can do it by themselves when they're both out there. It's just not going to be something defenses can contain. So I, I think they're going to emphasize those groups as well. Look, I, I think you you guys you guys have said it perfectly. I don't know how much more I can really add to the conversation except for that ditto. Like I agree. Like uh, we'll, we'll we're going to get more data, you know, for, in, in games to come, and then we will kind of uh, reevaluate from there and then see what the best lineup will, will, will be. Is it going to be eighty to the five, or is it going to be uh, DJ or Dwight at the five? Right and eighty at the four. We'll we'll see we'll see what happens there, but Mike, I uh, really appreciate you hopping on the, our podcast t- t- today. And um, you know, you I think everybody knows you. I don't know if we we need to give you this time to to put a plug in. No, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about you know where to find me. <laughs> but but really, dude, I I really appreciate you. Um, so um, yeah, so I think that does it for today, guys. Um. Guys, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other listening platforms. Do us a favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'd appreciate the follows, and it'll help us continue to produce this show. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at hashtag LakerPod and on Instagram at hashtag Lakers. With that said, have a great day. Root for the Lakers, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.